Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Wealthy Wednesday podcast. Today, I have Peter Resho and Dominic Neshi, Wealthy co-founders, joining me. Hi, Peter. How are you? Hey, Tiffy. Very well. Good to see you again. And Dom, how are you doing? Excellent. The novelty still hasn't worn off. I absolutely love this place. How good is it? I know. Just I feel like I need to talk a little differently or deepen my voice or something. <laughs> There's definitely a difference in the audio. <laughs> Now, guys, today we're going to be discussing why we haven't seen prices drop since COVID-19 has kicked off or full steam, at least in Australia. So, Peter, do you want to start explaining a few reasons why prices have remained stable? So I think what we've seen really since the lockdowns, the government imposed lockdowns right around the world is a, is a different impact uh, on different types of real estate. Commercial real estate, industrial real estate, office real estate is performing very different to residential real estate. And one of the biggest problems is people tarnish real estate with the same brush. They don't look at the different types of real estate, the different markets. And if you actually have a look at the numbers that have come out, the official numbers from CoreLogic, uh, they've shown that prices didn't drop in in March for residential real estate, when you look at the numbers nationally, they've in fact held up. And the reason for that is not just the demand side of the equation, but the supply side of the equation. There has been a lot less stock, and that's something that Dom has been on right on the money since this started because he made a point uh, in one of our earlier podcasts that it's important to watch listings and supply of residential property coming onto the market. 100%. That was, that was critical. What we saw internationally is a lot of other countries and cities and mature markets, their listings dropped off on all the major platforms. And if there's no listings, then there's not a lot of stock. And um, what we saw is a lot of people are still out there buying. They're all looking for a bargain. And because, um, because of the government assisting people being able to pay their mortgages, because banks have held off on you know calling in the um, interest repayments and their mortgage repayments, it meant that there was a lot less pressure on the system for people to pay back their mortgages, which meant that we didn't see the catastrophic, catastrophic events that we thought might happen where there'd be mass selling and widespread panic. In fact, people just said, well, I'm just going to hold on to my property. I'll sell it if I need to, but no one really needed to. So some people did. Some people are getting some excellent deals. We're finding really good deals. But but the supply came back by like 60%. And some markets internationally came back 80% and 90%. So, I mean, it's supply and demand at the end of the day. Not a lot of supply and there's still quite a bit of demand. Okay, so we, I think we've just covered quite a lot of things and we probably also are needing a macroeconomic lesson of supply and demand, right? Now, we started by mentioning we had had a podcast probably a month ago, I want to guess, where we were following the Italian market, the US market and markets that were in a more advanced stage. And we had you had mentioned the whole supply has been drawn out of the market. And that's what we've seen in Australia in the resident. We're now covering residential exclusively. And that's what you just said. And what's happening with the demand side? Okay, so supply, less supply. What's happening with demand? People are out there looking for deals. So we've we're, we've been strategic in, in we've got great partnerships with buyers agents, with local real estate agents, different other investment groups and networks. And we like to get out there talking to the people that are at the cold face to understand what's actually happening. Um, and what we're noticing is people are out there still buying. 
you know, there are some really good prices to be had. There isn't some crazy discount, but there are a lot of off-market transactions happening. And the stuff that is on market is getting quite a bit of attention. I mean, they're not having the same crazy, um, you know, 10 or 20 people to an open house. But what they're noticing is a lot of nice private experiences. And what's happening is buyers don't know how many other buyers are available. So an agent might do a, an open house inspection. It's going to be a private one and say, I've got four or five or six people behind you. So then there's this like hidden demand they're not aware of. And there's this sense of urgency that, yeah, we are hitting the bottom of the market. We are in pretty uh, an interesting time where we should be probably capitalizing on some, you know, uh, unfortunate souls that have to sell. And they're out there looking to do deals. People have got cash and they're saying, well, the cash isn't giving me any kind of return. Shares aren't giving me any kind of return. Let's get into property and see what we can make of it. So there are two main reasons people buy residential real estate to live in it or to invest. Um, and if you have a look at the reasons to live, most they're, they're big decisions. If you, if, if you want to move into an area and send your children to school or whatever your lifestyle is, it's not something that is likely to go away unless you lose your job and that's completely disrupted. But people that have been looking to get into a particular market and, 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 and organize their life around that will continue to do that and they're probably getting slightly better deals than you know, what they would have got a few months ago. So there are those buyers in the market. But as Dom said, the second category, the investors that have to look at the amount of money they have saved up or the amount of money they have invested elsewhere. If you've been in the stock market and you saw it drop by 30% in the space of three weeks, the fastest and the steepest fall that we've had in history, and you're seeing bond rates fall, interest rates at zero, the Reserve Bank, you know, quantitative easing, printing money, all this crazy stuff out there, you want to fly to safety. You want to go to what you know, what is trusted. That's where we come in and that's where we specialize. And, and that's why we love residential real estate because it is an asset class that's been there for thousands of years. In Australia, you're investing in excellent fundamentals. The cost of, of capital or the cost of interest rates has come down. And the environment today as an investor is better than what it was six months ago because of all those reasons. And Dom, supply is coming off. A lot of our partners are telling us that the cranes that you saw in the sky two or three years ago have come down and you're not necessarily seeing new ones go up. And That's we right. know from our, from our experience, when things like this happen in the market, projects get delayed and at some point there's going to be a supply crunch. Well, uh, that's exactly right. Already, because of the last sort of decline, we saw the amount of stock coming onto, onto the market drop by 40%. Now, there's a massive lag between planned stock or planned DAs coming into council and then when they get approved and eventually built, that's, you know, 18, 24, 36 months. So, it's a three-year lag really before we see the stock, uh, the feel the impacts of stock or shortage of stock. On top of that, Government is now stepping in with some new initiatives and looking to buy mm. heaps of apartments, buying apartments, buying land, buying houses, and they're doing this to house people. So there's already a, a supply shortage and the government's now stepping in with hundreds of millions of dollars to buy, to, to saturate w whatever's left. So which is a really interesting dynamic and I, I, I watch with eager attention to see what this market will look like in the next six nine months, maybe even 12 months to see what's going to happen. 
And, and that's a good point because it's great to learn from other markets who are in a more advanced stage, but how the Australian government is behaving is quite different to how other markets are behaving and how governments are stepping in. Now, Peter, can I ask you, what type of investors have we seen make the most out of the current market situation? Aggressive investors have mm. been first to look for opportunity. Um, they are always first to the game. Yeah. They, they're, they're confident. Um, they've been trying to get in for a while. They have cash. They want deals. They want to buy below. They see the stock market down, the Aussie dollar down, oil prices down. They want property to come down. Unfortunately for them, it isn't going to fall by the same extent. So they're in the market. They're looking. They're active. But there are also those that haven't been as aggressive that are now starting to say, okay, well, eventually the lockdown is going to wind down. Things are going to come back to normal. And the government has just pumped hundreds of billions of dollars. Interest rates are low. Maybe I need to now start thinking one or two years. Those are the two categories that are in the market today. And then the mainstream investor is going to come into the market, I believe, in the next three to six months. They're not in the market yet. Mm-hmm. but are those that are experienced, opportunistic, and have cash behind them. It's the emotional component. That's my personal opinion. When you're more advanced, you start not fearing as much, leaving all of the emotions aside and taking smart, cold decisions. Whereas when you're just getting started, it maybe your fear of the unknown plays a bigger role and you want to just wait and see. And that waiting and seeing is usually where the more advanced investors make the most. Is that right, Dom? Well... I was just thinking about that, that I know a lot of people that are buying now. Mm. I know a lot of sophisticated investors that are, if they're not already getting into the market or bought something already, they're very close. In the next three months, we're going to see a lot of people that are getting in, trying to buy something and secure a deal. Um, and what I mean by deal is there isn't heavy discounting, but they're finding value. So some clients are getting upgrades. Some people are, you know, they are getting a small discount or getting some wins here or there, getting furniture packages, getting guarantees, all sorts of things. Um, We're seeing people get value out of this market. I think that there's a lot of people that don't need to give crazy discounts, but that doesn't mean that they can't get more value out of whatever deal you're working on in one way or another. Um, So we are seeing people coming to the market. I'm I'm talking to brokers now. I'm, I'm dying to get back into the market. Mm. I hate sitting in cash. We're itching. <laughs> We're itching to get back. I in. was just going to ask about buyer's incentives. So it's it's great because we are seeing some great incentives and not everything will be a, a huge discount, but some great value, right? Mm. And when we talk about being a buyer or a seller market, there's a lot to do with how many people you're competing against, right? Like there were some crazy times in the past where you had 30 people competing against each other for a certain property. So... Peter, I, we've discussed this in prior episodes, but I want to ask, do you consider it's a buyer or seller's market right now? It depends on where you're looking. Okay. Um, so a lot of people, we have this fascination with the real estate market that it's one market. Mm. And I think that comes from the fact that when we talk about stocks, we have the ASX 200 index, it's one market. 
right? And so we can watch that on the nightly news and say the market went up or down. We have a currency that we look at, was it, which is the Australian dollar against the US dollar, the Aussie dollars up or down. When it comes to real estate, it's not really fair to take an average of every market in the country or every market in a particular city. And so it depends on the market that you're looking at. The high-end affluent market where you have luxury real estate selling from five to 50 million is very different to the sub $500,000 market. And so I think the owner-occupied market um, million to a million and a half is going to do it tough because you don't really have a lot of investors there. People buy those homes and usually pay mortgages on them. There's issues around job security and everything else. That's a tough market. But anything under six or 700 grand, I think, Dom, is, is a prime investor market because there's natural demand. First home buyers are dying to get into the market, utilize what they can get. And there's always going to be someone that rents that product that give you depreciation benefits and everything else. That's, that's how I read it, that the, the lower end is a lot less of a bias market mm-hmm. uh, than the higher end. Yeah. and and, and- so to answer that question, I think it is a buyer's market, largely, if I was going to categorize it all, um, uh, particularly in, you know, not, I don't know if you want to get in there early, but if you are looking at office space, commercial, that kind of stuff, it has taken a bit of hit. And there's probably a lot less buyers in that market than now than what there has been. In residential, I think it's a buyer's market still because supply has come back quite a lot. Um, but that also means there hasn't been as many buyers as there was in a hot economic environment. Um, I think Peter's 100% right that in that sub $750,000 price point, that's where we like to operate. That's a really good investor market. It's a good place for people to buy their first home. So there's a hive of activity in that space. When you get above that, it starts getting a bit scary. People have some mortgages and it's less of an investor market. So you've got a whole bunch of people that aren't in there. But then when you get really high, when we we're talking to Simon Cohen the other day, when you get into the the really expensive stuff, sort of plus three, four, five million dollars, ten million dollars, they're normally cash buyers. So that part of the market's pretty locked up. Mm. Okay. They've got a problem because they have to put their money somewhere. Okay. Having a lot of money creates its own problems, right? Because if it's in the stock market, you have a fear of loss. There's only so much money you can put into the bank before you have to go and buy bonds and everything else. And so for that top end that Dom's talking about, you know, buying real estate is, 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 a, is a strategy to preserve your capital and to store your capital. So again, very different market to that one, one and a half million dollar owner occupied market, you know, 20 kilometers out in the Western suburbs of Sydney mm. uh, that's going to face some mortgage stress. Okay. So, Dom, if you wanted to leave people who are listening to this podcast with a message today, what would you be telling them? Hmm. There's a, I, I want to say a lot of things. So that's, that's the problem is sorting out one. Pick one. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I think that you people that are listening to this podcast today, um, again, I think, I, I think I've said this a couple of times. You need to be ready to be, if you have cash, really get in, have a look at what opportunities exist um, because now's a good time to buy. We're buying for the for the future, for the long for the long haul. I think if people get into the market in the next three to six months, it's a good time to, to buy property or real estate and we're going to see a, a sense of jubilation once we get past this coronavirus time. 
Um, it's it's not going to be truly passed until we get a vaccine and all that kind of stuff. But largely, Australia is doing really, really well. And once we do get past it, whether it's six months, 12 months, a year or 18 months, there will be a sense of jubilation. We will see a big jump. And I'd rather be sitting on assets when that jump comes than sitting in cash. So don't try and time the market. It's time in the market. Just get your affairs in order and look to get in as soon as you can. Okay, so what's your message, Peter? I think the lesson I learned uh, through my career is, and through my own experience, who you listen to is very important because there are so many opinions out there. There are so many people saying things that are not accountable, don't have skin in the game, are not going to be around to be held accountable to that opinion. And so you basically have to strip down everyone's opinion listen start with listening to no one and then test who knows what they're talking about who is an expert what does this person do with their own money you know and then build uh, what we spoke about last week you know a, a bit of a, a, a team of trusted advisors to start turning to and listening to i think the biggest risk you can do is listen to people that have absolutely no idea And unfortunately, a lot of people in the investment markets, a lot of stock market guys talk down property and they always scare people off. And and I think, I know this because Dom and I have worked in that space. A lot of stock guys think, oh, the property market's going to crash 30, 40%. You always hear it. And it's always 40% for some reason <laughs> or 20%, right? <laughs> like it's this magical, nice rounded number. It's never 19.5%. They've got no idea what they're talking about. They might know stocks and funds and whatever. They don't understand real estate. And real estate is very different and the real estate has a supply constraint. Mm. It's hard to build quality real estate at a certain price continuously. Um, it's a lot easier to... Um, issue new shares. Exactly. 100%, man. It's a lot easier for BHP to go and issue $100 million of new shares than it is to go and create $100 million of approved stock in mm. Sydney metro market uh, at a certain price. So don't listen to idiots. That's very wise. Thank you. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for your time. Um, it was a, a great podcast, and I'm not just saying it because I'm part of the podcast, but to me, today I was trying to bring down and simplify why prices are still stable. And I think it's pretty simple. It's demand supply. Both curves have shifted left, keeping prices stable. And it we're talking about residential and particular parts of the market. And it, you've made a lot of um, exceptions to it. And the messages you've left us today are absolutely amazing. Thank you for your time. Anything else you want to add before we just close off? Like always. Share this with all of your friends that are interested in property. If you've got questions, just put them in the comments, send it to us personally, send us a text, email, whatever. We like hearing your questions. We want to know what you don't know and see if we can help you. And that's a really great segue because next week we're planning a podcast on answering questions from our clients, right? Yes, so, that's gonna, right. so that's a great segue. So please guys, share it with whoever you believe will profit from all of this information because they should be uh, getting into the property investment market. Have a great day, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tiffy. See you guys later.